BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. The story I'm about to tell you is from a traveler named Fisherman Tales. He called this experience. I ran the weirdest call of my career last night. Please allow me to tell you his tale. It began like this. The room was bathed in red light and the audible notification followed as the dispatcher announced over the speaker in her tried and tested monotone. Medic 11. Respond emergency for an overdose. Maybe you've seen in movies where the first responders leap from their beds and sprint to the truck. Raise the bay door, then dutifully take off into the night. Sirens blazing. Selfless heroes ready to save the world. What a bunch of horseshit. Here's how it really goes. The tones go off, although we'd already woken up to the red light like being startled from a nightmare. We never really fall into a deep enough sleep in this line of work. So, an hour into our first bit of shut-eye in two days, we sit up out of bed and moan profanities. I prefer fuck. It's simple yet powerful. Feels as if it cuts through something. Then, we slip into our uniform and boots and stumble groggily out to the ambulance, wondering how much more sleep deprivation we can take before we go completely mad. We climb into our seats, notify dispatch that we're en route, then assess the call notes along the way, all while shit-talking the soon-to-be patient who we know next to nothing about. I hope he's dead dead, my partner mutters. And M's, dead isn't dead. Dead dead is dead. Dead is potentially recoverable. Dead dead is not. That's the thing about us medics. We often root for death. It's easier. But when faced with someone actively dying, we'll do whatever it takes to save them. Even though we've become jaded with humanity, we still spend our time helping people. In the same way that we hate our low-paying jobs, we stick around regardless. We're contradictory people. 
The notes state that this is a man in his 30s. Overdosed, not breathing, CPR not in progress. Who's going to do it? His junkie friends probably had a hard enough time operating the phone. There's a whole list of shit this patient might have overdosed on, but nine times out of ten, it's fentanyl. That's the opioid of choice nowadays, and last I checked, the leading cause of death for adults 18 minus 35 in the United States. God bless America. Here's an uncomfortable truth, the drug epidemic. You know, the war on drugs. That thing that's fucking up communities left and right. It would end if we'd stop helping the people who overdose. I'm not talking about some kid who tried fentanyl or heroin for the first time. Then odd. I'm talking about the ones who do it habitually. Maybe have a three-strike rule. Odd three times, and you're out. Think about it. There won't be a customer base if they die out. Drugs. Gone. Drug violence. Gone. Drug cartel. Gone. To a noticeable extent, at least. Either that or the dealers start handing out Narcan goodie bags with pamphlets on how to shoot up responsibly. Sesame Street did an episode like that. I think. But my job isn't to ponder the big picture. It's to treat first, ask questions later. Maybe not even ask questions. Actually, you know what? It's better not to think about it. Too depressing. Anyways, the clues pointed to this being a routine overdose. The neighborhood we were responding to is rampant with fentanyl and heroin and the white trash junkies who can't get enough of it. It's a grimy, filthy place with hoarder homes and overgrown yards. Junked streets with kids running loose, lacking rules or bedtimes. Trying to distract themselves as their parents wither away on opiates. The fire engine, otherwise known as an ambulance indicator was on scene first. We pulled up behind it and parked in front of the listed address. A single-story house with dirty windows and crumpled blinds, a wide-open front door letting fresh air in, and months-old funk out, and a pit bull that won't stop barking. Law enforcement shows up right after us. The street is aglow with flashing reds, yellows, and blues, an irresistible light show for the night owls. My partner and I throw our bags onto the stretcher and unload it out the back. Shut the doors and head up the driveway, weaving between three junkies, who vary between concerned and numbed. One mutters, I don't know what the fuck he took, as we pass by to the door. They never know. We could find a needle sticking out of their arm, and they'd still act like it was planted there. I don't do drugs, says the 90-pound man with track marks and scab-laden skin. Ems, we holler as we step into the trash can that somebody calls home, lit by a single bare bulb hanging from a dusty ceiling fan. Back here, a firefighter responds. We weave the stretcher between boxes of cereal, dog shit, ash-covered coffee tables littered with syringes, cushionless chairs, dirty clothes, and baby toys. God admit, I mumble as we push on into the room and lay eyes on three firefighters and a jittery man standing in the corner. Where's the patient? My partner asks. The firefighters point to the man shaking in the corner. Did you Narcan him? No, he was awake when we got here. Did anybody Narcan him? Not that we know of. I glance back at the deputy, one I've run calls with many times. And he says, I'll go check with his friends, then leaves the room. Sir, my partner says to the patient as he shimmers past the firefighters. Did you take any drugs? The patient looks at him with wide eyes and giggles. Then says with lightning speed, 
No, I didn't take any drugs. We exchange looks with the firefighters. All thinking the same thing. Not opiates. Probably meth. Maybe crack. Maybe a cocktail of drugs. But, whatever the case, he was bouncing with energy. Which isn't the case with heroin or fentanyl. Spread across the bare mattress is a collection of empty syringes. A spoon, a lighter, a black leather belt, and funnions. None of it indicates uppers. Looks more like heroin. And funnions. This stuff isn't yours. I ask, pointing at the items on the bed. The patient glares at me, flicks his tongue like a snake, then quickly looks at the bed and back at me. That's not mine. Not even the funnions. The firefighters suppress a chuckle, and the patient's eyes dart to them. Then back at me. They're not mine. My partner looks over at the firefighters and smirks. Y'all can clear. The firefighters, more than happy to get back to the station and return to bed. Nod, tell us, see you on the next one, and exit the room. My partner sighs and turns to the stretcher to grab the monitor so that we can check the patient's vitals. As he's doing that, I'm watching the patient tremble in the corner. And then something unbelievable happens. He flickers, like a stuttering digital image or a flame in the wind. What the? My partner looks up at me and asks, What? Hick, how? Nothing. Sleep deprivation. It has to be, I thought. Going so long without sleep can play all sorts of tricks on the mind. But I wasn't that tired. I've gone longer without sleep. I'm used to not sleeping. My partner wraps the blood pressure cuff around the patient's bicep. An arm so thin he had to use the pediatric cuff. And places the pulse oximeter on the patient's index finger. I open up the laptop to start getting information. Name. Date of birth. Medical history. Medications. And allergies. I ask the first one. And the patient says... It doesn't matter. I look up. Yes, it does. He giggles. They're gone, and soon I'll be gone, too. I take my hands off the laptop. What are you talking about? The monitor begins to alarm. His blood pressure reads 200 over 200. His heart rate is also 200. Other than the fact that these numbers match each other perfectly. They indicate critical hypertension and tachycardia, and the severe problems that might accompany them. But... The diastolic pressure is the highest I've ever seen it. This patient shouldn't have been standing, let alone speaking. My partner and I exchange looks of oh fuck. Sir, we need you to take a seat over here. My partner says as he quickly lowers the stretcher and the side rail. The patient looks nervously between the two of us and says, It doesn't matter. We need to hurry up and get you in the truck. You're in bad shape. The patient giggles, which then erupts into laughter. A pained laugh that brings with it tears and an expression of panic. My partner reaches out and grabs him, and I hurry around the stretcher to join. I hold onto an arm and the monitor. And then the patient stops laughing, and his voice shakes as he mutters, It's time. In an instant, the patient vanishes into thin air. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
My partner and I stumble forward against the wall as the blood pressure cuff and pulse oximeter fall to the ground amongst the pile of clothes that the patient had been wearing. We're in shock. Where the fuck did he go? My partner yells. We jump to our feet and hurry out of the room, colliding with the deputy. Whoa, he says. What's wrong? He vanished. He left. He disappeared into thin fucking air. The deputy furrows his brow, places his hand on the pistol holstered to his hip and pushes around us to the bedroom. A moment later, the deputy returns, gaping at us. How the fuck? We don't know how, but what we do know is that the man who vanished that night is missing. Along with his girlfriend and baby. Was it a drug? What drug makes people vanish? Maybe it was an illusion. But that doesn't make sense, either. We felt him disappear. Have we gone crazy? Is it an unknown COVID symptom? Is it magic? What the fuck happened to my patient? Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels and a blessed day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.